I love brownie breakfasts. I just, yeah. I mean, it's putting my breakfast to shame, isn't it? I had avocado <laughs> and eggs on toast, and here you are just snacking on brownie, miss. Okay, but avocados and eggs on toast is delicious. It is. Um, it's also significantly better than the breakfast I've been having for the last week, which is basically no breakfast because I've been so busy. I keep forgetting to eat breakfast. <laughs> I don't usually eat breakfast. I guess I, <clears throat> I don't even know if this technically counts as breakfast because it's almost like 1 p.m. for me. I mean, have you eaten a meal yet today? No. Okay, this then yes, it breakfast. does. That's fine. You could have woken <laughs> up at 11 o'clock and it would count as breakfast. That's true. That is true. I did wake up at 10. I was up really late this morning. Yeah, I even I woke up a little bit late. It's a Monday morning for me, and I woke up at like, I mean, I woke up at like ten past eight, and I lay in bed for way too long. <laughs> I was like, I'm starting at work late today anyway, so that we can record the pod. So mm-hmm. I'm just gonna lie in bed for a little bit and get it to a little bit closer to the time that Coley said she wanted to record anyway. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm, 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 Alrighty. Mm, mm. I mean, I've got sticky brownie mouth. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I should give doing the intro a go, but it's going to go badly. You can do it. I believe in you. Oh, okay. Or do you want me to do it? No, I I, I should probably be a big girl and try it. Um, You can do it. I believe in you. If it goes terribly, I will get you to take over. (laughs) (laughs) You ready? <laughs> well, hello everybody, and welcome back to Internet Friends, a podcast about two friends who met on the internet, just sitting here talking about life. My name is Charlotte Turner, and I'm Colleen Nielsen. And who liked that I actually gave it a go to do this this week instead of just making colder I'm all the time? So proud of you! <laughs> you did so good. That was perfect. I was so nervous. I was. You probably oh. hear it in my voice. I was like, it's like a. Like almost like a wall of text that you just need to not screw up saying anything. But I think I, I think I stuck the landing. It hovered in the middle. But <laughs> I don't even know if that's like our like we never really decided that that was the intro. You know what I mean? Like I just kind of said it the first time and then never stopped saying it. I know. I mean, so. we, we could rewrite it, but at this point we're like eight episodes deep, and I think it's good. So <laughs> yeah, I just don't close. I just am like. Yeah, I just don't care enough to to change it, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. ow. Like, what? My brownie's making my... So I just had a brownie for breakfast, guys. I don't know if we're going to keep we or the whole discussion about the brownie breakfast in or I was, not. But I was thinking I just, about it. <laughs> yeah. So I because I just had a brownie for breakfast, I have like this um, exposed gum in the back of my teeth uh, on my left side. And so when I eat sweet food, if I like forget to not chew on that side then my teeth like hurt and or yeah it's it just is like I'm having like teeth hurt right now I've been having that um because I'm still kind of recovering from my wisdom teeth surgery I've been having that if like I'm chewing something and something gets to the back and it's not chewed up properly enough and there's something hard in there and it stabs into the nooks at the back I'll like whimper yeah. <laughs> it's just the, yeah, so I kind of good. I kind of relate to that a little bit How's your week been? It's been absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah, me too. I I got sent this meme from one of my friends last night that was like it was so funny. I showed you the picture of it, but it was it was like 
all of the work that I need to finish before Christmas. And it was like this giant field of like 10 foot snow. And then in the little corner, it was just like me. And it was like a part that's been shoveled. And that's basically how I feel. Like I'm just drowning in work, but I'm so close to being done. Like it's like I can taste being done on the tip of my tongue, which Mm -hmm. is such a good feeling. But but it's also like making it hard to want to do anything because I'm like, ah, I know that I'm so close to being finished, but like, I'm not quite there. It's like the last 10% that just is like insane. Yeah, I. it's the same sort of feeling that you get um, at the end of a semester for uni, right? Where you're like on the last exam and you're trying to study for it. You're like, I'm so tired. And there's yeah, like, I'm so exactly. close. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I just don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, I've I've pushed out four websites in the last three weeks. And if anyone is a web designer, you'll know how insane that is. And if you're not a web designer, trust me when I tell you that that is absolute blasphemy. (laughs) Yeah. Typically, like a web design project, like my typical timeline is seven weeks um, if I'm doing things like at a normal pace, but um, we've done four projects, like full turnarounds in three weeks, like from concept to 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 execution. You crazy woman. I know I'm insane. I don't know why I do this to myself every year right before Christmas. I'm like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to take on 7000 projects and I'm going to then cry all the time and I'm going to be super stressed and things. But I've actually done pretty good with the stress this year. Like some years in the past, it's been like full blown. Like I'm just an asshole to everybody because I'm super stressed. But this time I'm like, I'm cruising, you know, like I feel like I can like handle the chaos better than ever before. Yeah, I think you are doing better this year. That's not to say that you haven't been like incredibly overwhelmed the last three weeks. But yeah, I reckon you are doing a little bit better than you have in the past. And you get bank right before Christmas doing several Uh, projects all at once. Yeah, I've made I've made a shit ton of money in the Mm. last like month, which is um, all that really matters, especially since I like made no money all summer. (laughs) (laughs) This is why she doesn't work over summer, guys. This is the proof. Like, we've told you mm-hmm. why before, but this is, like, the proof. It's like, she does a lot of projects all at once very quickly, and then she takes time off for a while. Yeah, so so I, I have, like, two really hectic seasons for work, usually, and that's this time right now, which is, like, November, December, which, like, usually is just absolutely a madhouse. And then usually around, like, spring break time, like, March, April time, um, I'll get swamped again with like just a million things. And then I usually take uh, a lot of the summer off because mm-hmm. I usually have earned enough money in the last bit of this year and the beginning of the year to be able to take some time off. Yeah, um, which is totally fair because yeah. who wouldn't want to just go and run away for a month and a half in the summer and oh, do nothing? you froze. Oh, no. You froze. I didn't hear anything you just said. I just validated your lifestyle of running away for a summer, basically. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. it, And it kind of works like in conjunctions with how like I used to travel um, a lot because (laughs) no one's traveling anymore. But um, I used to work like really six months straight, really hectically so that I could um, afford to leave for a long period of time. So I used to like just basically work solidly from September straight through to Um, March and then I would go traveling in March and then I'd go up to my cabin for the summer and then I would um, go back into work in September Um, 
and that's kind of things. And like when I say like I didn't work, like I still work during the summer. I just am not doing client work. I'm doing like more administration things or I'm working on projects that um, will like help my stream of income. Like I spent most of the summer developing website templates so that I could be faster at um, producing websites because there's a lot of pages that I do like over and over and over again. And so I I spent the summer developing those and um, creating like like a code bank for myself, like where I have like this Google Docs where I can search up how to do something and my code is just sitting there that I know how to code it so that I don't have to think anymore. I can just like copy and paste and pull it out of my Google Docs. So I do stuff like that when I'm not working. Do you think that that's a big part of why you're not feeling quite as overwhelmed this Christmas compared to last? Like you had all these resources to Uh, help you get through it all? A thousand percent. I I have been working very hard at making my process as streamlined as possible. Like I, okay, guys, this is insane to me, but I literally like made a website from, I had a mock-up that I designed in the morning, sent it for approval and had the whole site built and ready by the end of the day. That is insane. Yeah. I did an entire website in, in tw- like literally 12 hours and that I could not do that if it wasn't for, um, yeah, if it wasn't for the fact that I've like been working really hard at trying to streamline my process. Yeah, that's kind of mental. Like to be fair, that's probably not like a super complicated website if you're able to do it that quickly. But no, it wasn't. Yeah. But still, that's kind of insane. Yeah. It was a it was a five-pager and like f- three of the pages were like basically the same structurally. They just like the content within them changed. Mm-hmm. And so, um yeah like it it, like there's a range right with websites like on how complicated there are you've got like portfolio websites which are like some of the easiest to produce like photography websites or like whatever and then you've got um like blogs which is a little bit more complex but like still structurally kind of the same thing kind of needs the same pages and then you've got service websites which are for like for people who provide services and those are a little bit more complicated because everything's a little bit more niche and then you've got e-commerce and e-commerce is insane Mm -hmm. like (laughs) but like structurally e-commerce is like almost always the exact same flow but like build outs are uh, so much like there's just so much more that goes into it like if you're if you're working with a client that is selling like 200 products then you've got to work to get your brain wrapped around like 200 projects and that's 200 project products that need an individual page built and you need to have all of the shipping information and all the weights and all the SKUs to be right and like all things so it's like it's just a lot more finicky yeah I I have a very minor appreciation for that having built the online store for my parents business for them um and they do not have anywhere near as many products as that but i i have a a, like a vague appreciation yeah to be fair like most of the sites that we build um we do on like 99 percent of my of my pro uh websites i do are on squarespace um because i just think that it's the best platform for clients to be able to manage their sites afterwards Mm. it's so easy to use it's so seamless but 
um, I do have done like quite a few Shopify um, sites as well for e-commerce just because once you get into like managing more than, I don't know, 10 products, Shopify is where you should be. Like Squarespace is not really a... Uh, an e-commerce platform in the way that Shopify is. Um, But you can still do it though. Like you can integrate ShipStation now within, um, within Squarespace, which makes it super easy. And um, it's definitely like manageable and doable. It's just kind of depends on like how complex, like who you're selling to. I, and also I would say that like, if you're selling to multiple different countries, I would stick to like Shopify with, Whereas if you're someone who like exclusively sells like almost only to people in your country or even more so like people in your in your city, mm-hmm. then a Squarespace would be super easy to manage that. Yeah. And the biggest thing I don't know, the biggest issue I found with having an e-commerce store on Squarespace that is doing like the picture frames thing that my parents are doing is the shipping mm-hmm. element of it for sure, because mm-hmm. it's really hard to like custom tweak what each product should be shipped at to mm-hmm. just like to make sure that their costs are covered no matter what it's like a bit of a stab in the dark and in some time sometimes they are losing money on shipping um the only time that they just like the only time i've got it on point is for auckland because pretty much everything that they sell no matter what is basically a flat rate to auckland um everything mm-hmm. else is a bit of a stab in the dark sometimes i've got it right sometimes i haven't i've had to adjust it as i go um yeah so like it's not perfect for that mostly because the picture frames vary in weight so dramatically that if people buy like multiples of something then it will ramp up the rate but it's hard to accommodate properly for both like the size the weight and the area it's going to i could there's probably a way to get around it but basic gist is like squarespace isn't the best platform for it if you're trying to do complicated shipping stuff if your shipping is like flat right around the country then it's fine to be fair though like shopify like wouldn't be any better at it you you still need to be able to do all that math and it's just like a lot of math like i feel like people don't realize like how complicated like figuring out shipping rates are Mm. (laughs) in general like oh it's so hard uh, you it's just so much math and like every postal service is different every postal service has like a yeah every postal service has like a different way of doing it and everyone has like a little bit of a different um things so that's why um like uh programs like ShipStation are great i don't know if it works in new zealand though where it kind of like you can um curate all of your sh- like different shipping providers into one and you can like put in what your product weighs and stuff and then it'll find you the cheapest shipping options so hmm. ShipStation's a great way to manage that if you um don't or like fulfillment by amazon is also a, a really easy way to like kind of take it out of your hands but it just depends yeah the amazon one definitely won't work for me but i'll have a little nosy at the other and see if that one is new zealand friendly i'm curious about it yeah we don't yeah, have amazon station, if, it's, if you didn't know by the way yeah here uh i i yeah i've only used ShipStation for like a couple of things but it, it works with like almost all shipping providers and you can have like multiple different um um what's it called like uh selling tracks or custom like sales channels so you can like if you sell on both amazon and on shopify and on squarespace you can like curate all of them into one so oh that's really smart 
yeah it's it's a great it's a great service um this is a totally like we've gone on such a weird tangent we haven't even like done our usual thing i just realized like talking about what we're reading and listening to yeah we've just gone straight into like (laughs) telling everybody about like what i do for work i could talk about web design all day and it's funny because i don't even necessarily like love it anymore but i know i'm good at it and i know i'm quick at it and um yeah so i don't know if i like it's necessary yeah that's true too like um but it's not like I wouldn't say that like it's something that I'm intending to do forever it's something that I do for right now because it helps me live the lifestyle that I love Mm. and um hopefully in the next couple years I can use this income to channel myself into things that I'm a little bit more passionate about but yeah and that's the thing it's like you're now establishing yourself yeah um really really well on it it means that if you wanted to start dyeing yarn for fun and selling it then you've got like this job that you can do in chunks and then you can do dyeing for a couple of months but you've got this thing sustaining you monetarily that you can do this thing for a couple of months in between and work on other little projects that you want to do like it's it's structured in a really good way for you to branch out and do other things to keep you amused and happy yeah yeah, I was also thinking like, I don't know if I, I don't know if we should keep this in because maybe this will be spilling all my secrets. But I've talked to you a lot about how like my my end goal is to start a sustainable clothing company. Like that's yeah. like always been my end goal, mm-hmm. um, and what I've been like working towards of learning and like curating. Even when I've been traveling, like going to different markets, trying to find suppliers, like et cetera, et cetera. But I was thinking the other day how like how cool it would be to like incorporate like hand dyed yarn into something like that and Mm. like having it be like a sustainable just like exclusively knitwear brand with like yarn that I dye myself yeah could be really cool I don't know yeah and like I feel like if I started dyeing yarn and actually selling it and like then extending that out um it'd be like a a thing that I could grow the platform on Mm. um and yeah and I would love to like find like um makers in places like because something that like i've always wanted to like do with a a sustainable clothing brand is um have uh like employ women in like marginalized communities globally to help um give women uh like their own income because it's such Mm -hmm. a huge issue in a lot of countries where like Uh, women don't have as many opportunities to um, earn an income and also like get education and like um, educate women um, in um, countries. So I would love to do that. And I I could totally find like makers that like women who know how to knit really well and have like handmade garments. But I don't know. It's food for thought. I haven't gotten quite, I haven't totally like made the idea yet, I guess. No, but I think that's, a really lovely and smart idea and I think it's there's a couple of people who are doing similar things at the moment like uh the knitter is that what her name is and I can never remember the kiwi based mm-hmm. girl I don't know if she's doing marginalized communities exactly but she is doing that kind of thing where she's got like individual makers and then there's um an underwear brand based here that does something very similar I can't remember whether it's um immigrant families or whether it's um i don't know there's like some 
marginalized community that this company is helping out and they're like the makers for this pro- anyway we're probably cutting this section out anyway i don't have to go into great detail but yeah it, like it's mm-hmm. it's a really nice lovely concept and i think it's also a huge part of giving it a, a good rationale to people as to why something costs what it does because doing yeah. like a hand knit jumper is an expensive thing to do but if you mm-hmm. also explain like i'm employing these people and i'm paying them properly this is how long it takes to do this thing this is why it costs this much but it's something that you'll have forever and it's handcrafted that helps in people's brain to justify the price tag a little bit because if you just whip Mm -hmm. a price tag onto something without explaining any of that people don't get it so like um yeah exactly there i the like there's another company called outland denim i think we should keep all this stuff in i think it'll be interesting fuck it you guys can steal my ideas but um (laughs) please don't please Uh, don't (laughs) outland denim is a company that i find like really inspiring and they they work with um survival sex workers in Mm. um i think it's cambodia maybe um and they like they help remove women from like dangerous situations of having to work in um like the sex trade and employ them to help um create their their genes and i think that is incredible like stuff like that like i would just like to be able to at some point start a company that um helps women around the world yeah i think it's really kind of fantastic to prioritize that as part of the business model and actually mm-hmm. create a job somewhere where it's needed and is useful and yeah i just think it's really lovely it's a good it's a good thought process and i think yeah. it's really valuable and like obviously knitwear is something that is only really like used like for half of the year so it would i would hopefully be able to expand that into other um types of clothes as well but i just love like ever since i was young like you know me like my wardrobe is 90 percent knitwear yeah oh i mean me too to be fair that i cleared some of mine out because they were looking a bit tired but i i think i i think i own like 50 sweaters yeah see this doesn't surprise me at all and she knits more people she's currently knitting another one yeah, I'm knitting one right now, which is so much fun. I love knitting. I love it so much. Um, it's, uh, I'm like 85% of the way through. I've got like one more ball to go at, and then it'll be completely done, which I'm really excited for. Yeah, okay. So this is the company I was talking about. They're called Nisa. Sorry, I'm like flying in all different directions away from the microphone. So now, now you can hear me. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, they employ women from refugee and migrant backgrounds and and it's wellington based um and yeah so they've just built this like whole community in their little workshop in wellington of refugee and migrant women that's amazing yeah to make underwear like ethically produced i need to get some from them honestly i also need like new underwear it's on the list of things I need to buy, but it's like the least fun thing to buy for yourself when you need to buy things. Um, but I think I might give them a go based purely on that. But yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's, I think it's really lovely. And I think it's also really important. Yeah. I, I, I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. We should but be supporting st- the people who do these very thoughtful things. Yeah. And I, I just think that like, 
I think that there's so many cool clothing brands out there doing cool things, but I think that like if things are going to be expensive, I would love to just have them be like, I'd love to support companies that are, are, are trying to make like actual changes Mm. like with, and like, and try and support communities versus just like big box brands. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? It's like the markup on so much of the fashion world is ridiculous. Like you end up paying the same amount of money and that money goes to people who are already incredibly wealthy, whereas you could support these like smaller local designers, more indie brands that are, you know, helping communities or, you know, trying really hard to be sustainable and ethical or like small businesses and like get these beautiful handcrafted things that could last a lifetime you know like yeah there's something nice about that to me that's not to say that you shouldn't also buy other things just be thoughtful about what you're buying but it's kind of nice that we have the option to be able to like use our money to support such good causes yeah and also just like supporting small businesses in like general too Mm -hmm. like like i i am i'm so floored when I look at like the indie dyer community or like people who make like polymer clay um, stitch markers or earrings or like people who make their own handmade wreaths or like whatever like there's it like you're when you support like small indie makers you're literally like using your money towards someone's livelihood which mm-hmm. I just think is like such a and, and their passion and I just think that that's like such an, an amazing thing too so I, I, I've tried to be really cautious, conscious this year of like buying things um, from just like companies that make me feel good I guess is the is the main thing yeah I went I mean I, I'm always trying to support sort of local businesses where possible but um the pandemic's been a big part of that too it's like we're you know trying to sustain the new zealand economy and i've noticed that kiwis in general are coming out in droves to support their local business over um international bigger brands just to try and help support the economy at home and keep everybody afloat um totally i've I've seen that with my parents businesses they have been busier like month to month for the last few months than they have in the few years previous um even though we're in the middle of a pandemic and it's incredible and amazing um and even myself like for one example which Coley and I've talked about this a lot we try and buy our books from like local bookstores where we can um totally I used to buy from book depository because it was just significantly cheaper. It was so expensive to buy books in New Zealand compared to getting them on book depository and like buying books is quite an expensive thing to do, especially down here where it costs a lot to get them down here. Um, But in recent years, it's actually become about the same price point. Like buying them on book depository is not that different to buying them in local bookstores. So why would I, buy them on book depository so I go to my favorite bookstores in Auckland we've got like Unity and we've got Time Out Bookstore and in Wellington there's so many amazing I mean Unity's down there as well um and things like that it's like these local bookstores that nobody wants to disappear because they're gorgeous and wonderful and Mm -hmm. like just trying to support where you can I actually heard from them that because of all the lockdowns they had 
so many people ordering online and they were busier than they'd ever been. And I was like, that makes me so happy. Because when we were all worried about all these businesses closing in my head, I was just like, what happens if my bookstores close? I enjoy mm-hmm. so much just the, the process of walking into a bookstore and being able to pull things off a shelf and like read the back and find something new or like the best part of a of a small business is like getting to actually talk to people about what they really enjoy. And in a bookstore, particularly, they always have a table of like the staff recommendations. That is the best mm-hmm. part of a bookstore. Oh, yeah. I love that. That's my favorite part about going to indie bookstops. And like the people who own indie bookstores are such book nerds. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and they're so, so passionate. You, yeah. And so not only that, like it's it's always going to be a more curated collection of books that are available because more often than not, it's the owner that's actually going through and ordering everything. And like they always have like the ones that are like the big sellers or whatever, but they also really like make a conscious effort to um, yeah, just like pick books that they would love to read. So I always love talking to um the employees at indie bookstores and like have hearing their recommendations and seeing what would be good to buy and whatnot. Yeah. And I appreciate very much so that they also have like a range of stuff. They're not just picking stuff. That's like that person's taste. They do a really good job of actually curating a table full of different options for people. Um, totally. Also, I feel bad. I, I missed the woman's bookshop um, in Ponsonby out of my list of good local ones in Auckland. Just, just oh, throwing yeah. that out there. <laughs> if people want, if people want recommendations for indie bookstores in Vancouver, um, I have three favorites that I rotate between. The first is Black Bond Books slash Book Warehouse. They have, um, I think, three or four locations across the Lower Mainland. Um, but uh, I think their website is just Black Bond Black, or no, it's BookWarehouse.ca. Mm-hmm. Black Bond Books was another indie bookstore and Book Warehouse was an indie bookstore and then they like um what's it word merged mm-hmm. and so um they they have a, like a few locations they're amazing my favorite one is the one on Main Street um Book Warehouse on Main Street is the best I love it I and the people who work there are really nice and then I also really love Iron Dog Books which is in East Van and um, it is an indigenous owned bookstore that is both used and uh, new and they have a really great um, curation of um, indigenous work and they do a really good job at supporting um, local authors but they also like I always find such good gems in there and they also have a um, like a bookstore on wheels and so it's like a little truck that goes around everywhere and you can find it like on different days and so that's really awesome oh my god that's adorable yeah I love them and then the other one that is actually really new they opened up in the middle of this pandemic so like not enough people I feel like know that they exist yet and that's Upstart and Crow and they're on Granville Island um, right near the uh, distillery if you guys know where the distillery is if you're from Vancouver but Upstart and Crow the owner there is so lovely and they have such a good curation of books and the way that they curate their books on the shelves instead of it being by like author name or genre it's by feeling and Aww. so it's like, 
it's like I want a book with like badass female heroine and there's like a section for that or like um, something when you're like feeling like wanderlusty and like want to travel or like books that will inspire you to do whatever and so everything is like curated like by these like prompts and feelings versus something like more traditional which I think is really cool yeah, um, that's and so they have unique. some little cute yeah they have some like good they have like candles and like little knickknacks as well that they sell and they're they're an awesome bookstore so those are my f- three favorite book warehouse iron dog books upstart and crow that's where i would go nice. if you're in vancouver yeah i also have a very um big soft spot in my heart for secondhand bookshops it's one of my favorite things to do um oh yeah it's and i'm very fortunate also we have like two um, three very good ones in Auckland maybe four oh, no three um, <laughs> we've got three really good ones in Auckland and then going to Wellington secondhand book shopping is one of my favorite things to do because Wellingtonians are spoiled for choice they have so many really good secondhand bookstores and we're all so close together um, yeah so I don't know you've secondhand book shopping if you've never done it it's kind of a joy you never know what you're going to find if you go in there with a list of things that you've always been wanting to read that's almost a good way of doing it because it means that you've got something to look for specifically but there is also Mm -hmm. something quite nice in just like flicking through the shelves and finding something a little bit different that you would have never read before um and there's also something really special about pulling a book off the shelf that has very clearly been read many times before and you're just like okay somebody's loved this book yeah um, well, I feel like this is a great way to transition into what are you currently reading? Yeah, well, I'm still reading Exciting Times, and I've forgotten how to say her name. <sighs> Nisha Dolan. Nisha Dolan, thank you. <laughs> it's yeah. been two weeks since like, I said it last. I forced myself to read, it's, this is the thing, I'm having to force myself to get through the first part of this book. I'm not enjoying it. <sighs> yeah. And like, yeah. you've told me that the second half of it is better so i'm trying to force myself yeah. through but at this once, point once, i haven't picked it up in a week what's her name i can't even remember the character's name once the girl comes into play and the guy leaves for england the pretentiousness is gone yeah I, uh, yeah i'm there's, there's the a lot of that, it that i'm not enjoying but i the one the one big part of it was like I found that the author was using like a lot of big words for like no reason. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like, like it, where it like almost disrupts the reading because you're like, what, hey, what does that word mean again? And then you have to like look it up and then it's like, oh yeah, that's what that means. I knew that. And for like no reason other than just like trying to sound smart. But I do think that it, it does get better. It's still not like, I wouldn't put it in the same category though as as Sally Rooney I would say it's like Mm -hmm. Sally Rooney adjacent yeah it's Sally Rooney adjacent and whilst they have similarities in that like the main character is like like struggling to figure out who they are and like find themselves in life and like just having like like mental health issues and stuff like that like the two books from Sally Rooney that I've read she only have two books Mm -hmm. yeah Sally Rooney's two books I haven't read the short story I need to do that because I love her um both kind of have similar characters but the way that Sally Rooney does it they're more enjoyable characters to read about than in this book and I yeah. I'm just struggling to get through it I, I need to because I want to finish the book and I want to move on to something else um but I'm finding myself not wanting to read because this is what I'm reading currently um but also 
here's the thing. This is this is going to be my one piece of advice. If it's really like, if you really hate it, then just don't finish it. I purchased the the book, Collie. I need to finish oh, it. Yeah. I spent money That's on it. Fair. I'm going to be fair. really I mean, pissed off with myself if I bought this book and I don't finish it. Yeah, that's fair. But you could also take it to like a used bookshop and sometimes they do like credit. Yeah, maybe. I, my, I might do with this book. It depends on whether I enjoy the end of it or not. Um, but I, yeah, I agree. If I'm getting to the point now where like if I bought a book and I didn't enjoy it, it doesn't happen very often because I tend to read things that are so highly rated and recommended that for the most part I enjoy what I'm reading. Um, and I tend to only buy them if I think I'm going to enjoy them. Um, yeah. But if I don't, I'm not going to keep it because I only keep books that I would actually want to recommend out to people to borrow, which is the reason, part of the reason I buy books anyway, because I want to be able to have people borrow things. That's fair. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, when I was reading American Dirt, which I really struggled to get through. God, mm. that book fucking sucked. Um, it was so bad. I, I'm still mad about it. I like I'm still mad with how that book ended I'm so mad at myself that I even read it I'm so mad that it exists no I we, just like we had to read it because everyone was I talking know. about it everyone was it was it was controversial we've talked about it before if you want to hear about that there's a past episode where we go into a lot of detail about the controversy around it but we yeah. had to read it to be able to criticize it Validly, Like, there's a lot of criticism about it. But, like, we kind of had to read it to be able to have a real opinion on it, I think. Here's the thing. Controversy aside, I still think the ending was garbage. Yes, I do too. I, I'm, I'm disappointed by the ending of it. I feel like it just... Yeah. Like, controversy aside, I still think it's a trash book. Like... <laughs> so I, that's my... It's, it's... I have... I have only ever given a book one star like maybe three times in my life and I've read a lot of books Mm -hmm. I haven't put I don't have them all on my Goodreads but I've probably read over a thousand books in my lifetime I've only ever given a one star like maybe three times and it's one of them you know the thing that I think and this isn't going to be very elegantly put I'm, I'm this is just a thought that popped into my head it's probably because the market it was aiming at is the like bulk book buying like romance book reading kind of market that they were aiming at with it rather than somebody who was genuinely interested in hearing about the the journey that this sort of person goes I through would, I wouldn't say it was necessarily marketed towards the romance bulk people no, I, I think it was not necessarily that but like it, it felt I like think it it's was the, yeah I don't know it, I think it was targeted towards the white suburban mom that reads yes, uh, Reese Witherspoon's book club that's that's, that's what, what I, I would that's say. what I meant I just didn't have a word for it that's exactly what yeah, yeah. and that's white the suburban that mom that is in a it, book club it, it felt like they were sort of clipping it at a certain point to make it palatable to that market and to a certain extent it didn't feel super realistic it definitely it definitely felt a little bit like here let's try and make brown people more palatable to white people like yeah and that's fucked yeah that's but that's how it came across yeah that is what it felt like a little bit to me as well and like it didn't totally feel like a super genuine take on what that journey is like i am sure that i mean we're kind of going into this now the author's like white with no relation to anyone who's gone through this migrant journey right 
oh, but her husband is an illegal immigrant from Ireland. Don't you remember? <laughs> so basically hasn't done anything that is written in the story. I know, um, I know. Which is know. why everyone is really disappointed that someone with no background with this whatsoever got paid millions of dollars for this book. Um, yeah. And we read it, when we read it, we got it from the library so that we weren't mm-hmm. paying money for it to support the author because we didn't want to. Um, yeah. And we, but we felt like we needed to read it because everyone was talking about it. Everyone was talking about the controversy. It, it blew up as being super controversial in that regard when Black Lives Matter hit, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's when it started getting even more traction for what it was, <laughs> right? Honest, no, it, in, when it came out in January, in the book community at least, it was like, it was trashed okay. on every single book account that I saw. Everyone was like, this is garbage. Oprah, uh, like Oprah made it her book club pick. Oprah ended up having to do an entire like conference to try and discuss the um, the controversy. I'm still oh, disappointed okay. that Oprah still kept it. Um, book of the month had it as one of their picks. They had to pull it and they had mm. to put a disclaimer on it saying like people are really upset about this book. So like re- know that. So yeah, it was it, people were pissed when it came out. I'm gonna and then pause. it was fucked up. <laughs> Can I just pause for a second? Oh, yeah. I need to plug my laptop in, but I also need to pull my headphones off and I want to be able to hear you. So okay, yeah, it's okay, on the yeah. floor. I can't reach it with my headphones on. <laughs> I mean, you can tell them while I'm reaching down to the ground if you want. Yeah. So what's fucked up about it is like um, after the book was published, the publishers went on a mission to scrub all evidence of the fact that the author was like white and tried to make it come across like she was Puerto Rican, even though she's white. And so the publishers, after all the controversy, literally went on like a, a, on a mission to go through all of the evidence of her like ever being um, like, like all of her past interviews everything scrubbed any evidence of her being white from the past and she decided to turn around and call herself a latina woman and took claim that because her grandmother is puerto rican that's why she wrote the book which like it she was a hundred percent white beforehand like she she openly admitted that she was white and then they just like erased that and decided to to paint her as a latin woman to like try and make it more legitimate mm. instead of just owning up to the fact and like that's what pisses me off the fact that a white author and like a white person in general would be like oh people are mad at me because I did something wrong I know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna pretend like I'm not white yeah instead of being like okay I own up to this because she's just been paid millions of dollars for this book at this point right so yeah like- and like but also I do think that a lot of that blame is on the publishers because like yes. if as a white person like no one's gonna say no to a million dollar book deal you know no, what I mean no person is going to say no to that but the publishers but just, should have yeah. realized that this was not gonna go down well that's their job yeah yeah and I've read I've read um stories and interviews from people who work at the publishing company who are Latina who apparently for like two years leading up to it like multiple times brought up that they thought that this was a bad idea and Mm. wouldn't no one listen to them and so they ended up like quitting the company yeah so I don't know moral of the story is that book sucks like yeah I don't read it I didn't rate it on Goodreads um I did yeah with full confidence (laughs) because from from a storytelling point of view, there were parts of it that I 
didn't enjoy necessarily but like i was like reading through it really fast so i was like i was hooked into the storyline a little bit it finished in a way that i wasn't pleased with all of the things that we've already talked about i wasn't super happy with but from like a storytelling point of view i was gripped into it at certain points um but i don't want to rate it something like middle of the road because i enjoyed part of the story when there's so many other things that are going wrong with it yeah i thought like the first third was super engaging but yeah. then I found like it dragged so much that I was mm-hmm. like dragging my feet through it and it was really hard to get through. And then the ending just was so fucking dumb. Yeah. It was so dumb mm-hmm. that like it to me, you, like it, if you can only produce like a good first third of a book, then it's a shitty book. Yeah. Yeah. This is you true. Know? Like I, I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, you're right. I, I got to a point where I had to force myself to get through like it was a really easy book to read. Like I will give it mm-hmm. that. Like I, I managed to lie on the beach and read like a hundred pages in an hour and a bit. Like it was a really easy book to read in that regard. But it's it got to a point where I felt like I was forcing myself to pick it up. Like where I am with exciting times at the moment. Whereas on the flip side, when I read Normal People, I read that in like three hours. I yeah, yeah I I read that within a day. And like all the other books that I really enjoyed this year. Like, um, with a crawdad saying, I read that one in a heartbeat, basically. Um, you know, what's funny about that one. I actually really struggled with the first, like to get through the first half of that book. And then once it picked up, I was like fully consumed in it. And mm-hmm. that's one of the first times in, with a book where the crawdad sings, where I've given a book five stars, even though like, like the second half of the book made the first half being slow worth it. If you know Mm. what I mean, which is not very common with me. If I struggle to like, if I lull in certain parts of the book, it usually knocks a star off for me. But like with Where the Crawdad Sings, oh my God, I fucking loved that book. Yeah. The, I think that they, the author did a really good job with that one. Like it was very intentionally slowed and it was very intentionally getting Mm -hmm. all the information there and it made the final part worth it. Uh, Though, do we want to go into too much detail with this? Because we're going to start talking about like not this episode, but one of the episodes coming up, we're going to talk about like favorite books and all those sorts of things of 2020. Oh, that's true. Well, I didn't read it in 2020. You did. Oh, that's, that's true. I did read it in 2020. So maybe I'll stop talking yeah. about it. But you can say whatever you were about to say because you looked like yeah. you were about to say something and I interrupted no, you very rudely. Um, no, my question for you is, is have you read The Greed Alone by Kristen Hanna yet? I know that the, I like I give you a million books to read, but how high have on you the read that one yet? For, in, for, is it? Because you've got like a lot of books that you want me to read at the moment. Where do you want oh, me God. to put this? How high on the priority okay, list so, is it? Is it a, like a pre-Christmas lying in the pre-New Year lying in the sun needs to go into my 2020 list? Like no, okay. okay. So Akotar, thank you. Okay, <laughs> needs to be lying on a beach because that is a lying on the beach fantasy light read that like is just like will consume you in a fun way. Like Akotar, by the way, is like it is not literary genius. Just so you know, like I I don't want to set your expectations too no, high. Like I'm, it's kind of like Twilight, but like in the best way. <laughs> I'm not expecting it to be like a literary yeah. masterpiece. I'm expecting <sighs> to just thoroughly enjoy it though. Book two. <laughs> chef's kiss and okay. the new one comes out in february so if you read the three right now three, three and, a half, and a half there's like a novella that it's like a, it's like 100 pages though so like it's quick but if you read the three and a half now then you'll be set for when it comes out in february and mm-hmm. you're going to be obsessed with it just like i am so that's what you have to read but um 
I would put so great the great alone and where the crawdads sing are very they evoke similar feelings inside me mm-hmm. if you get what I mean yeah so like if you loved where the crawdads sing and in general I feel like you and I have very similar tastes in books yeah we do yeah so the great alone is like it's up there with me i actually think Kristen hannah in general is an incredible author i think you would love all of her books i've read three so far and all of them have been good um but the great alone is my favorite so That's pretty highly rated on goodreads yeah it's really fucking good it's got 4.34 of yeah. three hundred and eighty thousand ratings which is pr- a pretty good average okay yeah, yeah it's I'll do that one. Yeah, so so I and I'm sure there's probably like a waiting list at the library for it. So maybe it's like one of those ones that you rent from the library and put yourself on the waiting list and if it comes in like 3 4 months then because it's just as popular I would say as where the crawdads sing. Do you think because I re- I I slightly regret getting where the crawdads sing from the library because I don't own it now. Yeah. Is is this one that you think I'll regret not owning? Ooh. That's a, okay. So for me personally, I had it on Kindle, and I regretted not owning it, and I bought a paperback version of it afterwards. Right. You've done this a lot. I don't know why you're being like really coy about this. You do this on like I, a semi-regular basis. I have not basis. done it a lot. <laughs> I've only done it three times. I think okay. four times. All right. Normal people, The Great Alone, Where the Crawdads Sing, and just recently, Undercover Bromance, which is like of silly romance book but i have like the first one and the third one in print and i wanted the middle one oh and akotar but that's because that new like the first akotar covers were really ugly like they they were you've seen them they're ugly but like the Mm -hmm. but the new covers are gorgeous so i bought the new covers and i and i'm almost about to do that i found these like Throne of Glass is another series by Sarah J. Mass that I really liked, and I I want to get those covers too. Um, you know what? Hmm. This book is available in Auckland. Oh, it's not in my my local library, but there's available copies over Auckland, which means I can get it shipped over to my local. Oh, nice! So I could actually get it out and read it before New Year when I'm at the batch. It's good. I think you'll really like it. It's yeah. based in Alaska in um, post-Vietnam War. Ooh. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. That. yeah um, it's about this family. So I'll give you the, a brief description. So it's about this family who um, the father is a Vietnam War vet um, struggling with PTSD. Before they knew what PTSD was, he just came back from the war super fucked up, right? Yeah. And they were living, I think, in Seattle originally. And the father picked them up and moved them to like rural Alaska um, because they got given this free house. And so it's all about them learning how to survive in Alaska, which is a very um, aggressive environment to live in. And like winter is really difficult mixed with that that element of the father um, really struggling and it's mm-hmm. like this young daughter and her growing up and her finding her community there and then something happens and then it's like yeah no it's good it's yeah, really I, good I think it sounds like I'll really enjoy it I think mm-hmm. um, I love books that have a little bit of a history element to it which I think is one of the yeah. reasons I liked with the Crawdads thing because it did have a bit of a history element to it 
Um, yeah. Where it's not just historical fiction straight up, but if there's like a story and it's got a little bit of history to it, it's kind of interesting to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let me, it's like, I'm going like to look an, it up properly and see if it's actually at a library which I can go to instead of having to wait for a hold to turn up. <laughs> it's a, an era that like f- still feels tangible, like it's close enough that you're like, like it still feels like you could have been a part of it but it's Mm. still like a little bit different so i that's like my favorite era Kristen hannah does mostly books like that are semi-historical so the nightingale is um based in world war ii that's like her most famous book i would say um and then firefly lane is based in like the 80s ish time which was really good i freaking sobbed through that book it was so so good Mm -hmm. um and she's got a new one coming out in in I think it's in, coming out in January or February and that's on my list of like I, I've given myself 10 new releases that are coming out in 2020 that I, or 2021 that I'm allowed to buy during my book buying ban because I I can't not and that's that's one of them Mm. yeah I'm hoping that it'll be on book of the month because um then I can get it through my subscription box yeah um what are you reading at the moment then because we've just gone on this big tangent based on mine oh i am currently reading um well okay i say i'm currently reading and by that i mean i read the first three pages last night um but i'm reading the hating game by sally thorne and this is one of my favorite booktubers noelle gallagher's like favorite book she said she's read it like three times this year and it's a romance i've just been like December because I've been so busy with work I'm just gonna like read a bunch of cheesy romances for the rest of the year I think yeah I want to throw a couple of those into the mix for the rest of the month too because I'm gonna read a lot of my goal is to read at least sort of three or four books between Christmas and New Year and I can I can I can bang out a cheesy romance in a day yeah so like when when Jules is at work for the next week and I've got like a chill work week and I'm not doing too much I'm just gonna bang these out and so I'm I'm currently Mm. reading this one and it's basically about these two people and they work at two different publishing companies. One's like the big, big brother, like um, aggressive, all about making money. And one's like an indie, all about the love of the art kind of company. And the two companies merge and these two, the girl and the boy end up having to like share an office together and they hate each other it's like an enemies to lover thing and they're both kind of fighting for this promotion um in this new like merger company and because they had kind of like equal positions and it's like who's going to end up being the boss and then romance ensues so i think it's going to be really good yeah i actually have um one of her other books from the library that i found just randomly because i recognized the author from the hating game um, mm-hmm. which I haven't read yet but is on my list um, what's the name of the one that I've got it's sitting on my shelf 99% mine yeah that's right um, yeah which I, will I've read be, it it's, it's cute yeah which will be one of my um, post Christmas pre New Year reads I'm pretty sure because it's whilst it's a library book the library does this wonderful thing over Christmas where they extend out the loans if no one's waiting mm-hmm. for them and you end up having like six weeks or even longer of a loan for a book so whilst I got them out a few weeks ago um, they're not due back until like the 10th of Jan now or something. So I will our, take those um, for a trip out to the batch with me. <laughs> because of COVID, our, our library is doing no late fees right now. So they're basically like you can rent the book and you can keep it for however long you need it. That's um, nice. To like, yeah, to make it so that people don't have to feel pressured to like leave the house or like feel pressured to like have to come and do something. Or if they get sick, they don't have to the worry. So um, that's been what 
um, our library's been doing, which is pretty good. But yeah, I'm I'm excited. I I ha- I I haven't read anything in a long time to be completely honest like Mm -hmm. I have not been in a reading mood I just think because work has been so busy like I I've been struggling to get through reading anything and so like I'm trying to look right now on my goodreads (laughs) like I think the last book I actually finished, not including our book club books, which I've been listening to on audiobook, um, but the last physical book I've read was, I think, like over a month and a half ago. Oh, it was American Dirt. Really? Yeah, literally. Yeah, which I finished in at the beginning of November. And God, I hated that book so freaking much. I think it like put me in a reading slump. Honestly, I think it was like it was so bad that I had like a hangover for how bad it was. Mm. Yeah, I actually don't think that I've read anything for myself since that either because it's just been book club stuff that I've been finishing. Yeah, and then the last book that I'd finished before that was on October 7th. Yeah, so, I mean, we've all been so busy and it's just Christmas of it all. I, But also because we're doing other hobbies like you're knitting, I'm sewing, it's really hard to read when you've got other hobbies that you're excited about um, when you're busy at work especially. Um, what are we on a timestamp for record so far? We're at 58 minutes. I was just about to tell you. Right. Yes. My, (laughs) I don't have a lot of space on the, um, SD card this week, which is going to limit us to a more reasonable podcast record length this week. I think, um, do we quickly want to just jump through you? Are you listening to or watching anything interesting? Uh, yeah. Oh, of course. Sorry, I totally forgot that um, Taylor Swift uh, came out Taylor with another Swift album. Taylor Swift just <laughs> dropped another album. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, what? I don't, I don't and, listen to her no, music much, so. Not only that, you know how I was telling you before that, like, Shawn Mendes had come out with a new, some new songs and his new album dropped? So his new album dropped, and that was what I was going to talk about next. But then Taylor Swift comes swinging in and is just like, hey, by the way, here's another 16 songs. Like, what? <laughs> Yeah, like I my like when I say I lost my shit, like I fucking lost my shit when that happened. It was the best surprise that. Yeah, no. Oh, my God. Her bringing out. She always like you always have to wait a minimum two years between albums with with her. She used to do them exactly on a two year schedule. And then um, reputation and lover like not so much on the same schedule because she went through all that public drama and she was just like I don't want to fucking deal with anybody mm-hmm. but then we got Lover and then it's like eight months later I think it was we got Folklore and now here we are like less than six months later and we got a fucking another one yeah god she's been she's creating like up a storm me. in lockdown yeah her her and the guy from the national Aaron Desser which I love the national one of my favorite bands so I am stoked that uh, they've been clavering and then obviously Jack Antonoff who she does like almost everything with who is um, ridiculously talented and was the talented pairing for Lord's most recent album I think as well yeah um, yeah. yeah because Ella and Ella and um, Taylor are friends yeah and I think I think Taylor introduced her to Jack Antonoff and then they they created magic Hmm. Um, didn't they just um, Lord's coming out with a new album in 2021 and I'm so excited (laughs) is she actually (gasps) yeah oh my god I have missed her stuff like I freaking Mm -hmm. love her 
She's like, yeah, she, I, I think she just so cool. She's like the OG Billie Eilish. Yeah, a well, little this bit. is the thing, right? Like these super young, uber talented humans coming out and like, oh, I'm just, I'm so excited for a new album. She creates magic every single time and I have no doubt. One of our um, local, I'm going to be really quick with the story because I am running out of record time. Um, but one of our like local Auckland magazines for like years and years and years called Metro Magazine um, almost went out of business during lockdown because the publishing company that owned it closed down in New Zealand. So all of these magazines kind of got lost. I think someone either um, bought it, like another company bought it, or somebody like started it up. It's now quarterly. But um, Ella did a trip down to Antarctica semi-recently and wrote this like, eight page essay about her experience in Antarctica and she's such a good writer that it's a really joyful pleasure to read and honestly it was like the highlight of the relaunch of that magazine um I mean I I love it anyway I love magazines and print media in general I think they're beautiful art forms the 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 curated art form ones not the trashy um tabloidy ones um but yeah she's a beautiful writer both musically and just in general like if you read anything she's written it's Mm -hmm. art she's really talented yeah but there's you can definitely tell like there are certain artists like and musicians that are just fantastic writers and there's some that like aren't so much and that's actually why i appreciate taylor swift so much is because she's an insane like writer any essay that she's ever written any like long format stuff that she writes uh, and I think what's the coolest about like these most recent albums that she's come out with is that um, they're not about her mm-hmm. at all they're, she's she's written these storylines with these characters and she has written all of these songs about this storyline told from all these different characters perspectives and it's like if you listen to them back to front it tells this insane story that like could be a novel like i want a novel about james and betty but i i can't get one because she hasn't written it but i i yeah and i think think people like lord and like um billy eilish and phineas too are like amazing at this too and um mm-hmm. a couple of other artists were like you can just tell that they're just really good writers in terms of like their lyrics yeah um Billie Eilish and Phineas are a fucking power duo. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. imagine being that talented a family. Imagine being, being the parents of those two. Like, oh yeah, you'd be so proud, so proud, so talented. Even yeah. um, Phineas's music on his own is quite good. I enjoy his stuff. Um, I'm not actually watching anything much of interest, so I think we should probably just cut this off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, been, I've been watching like I've been rewatching Harry Potter recently. That's about it. That's nothing. I've been rewatching. Nothing. I've been rewatching How I Met Your Mother. So, <laughs> I did promise Julian that if we could watch all the Harry Potter movies, that during his Christmas break, that I would watch Lord of the Rings for the first time. Oh, interesting. That's a mammoth task. <laughs> so if it um, so if it happens, I'll I'll let you guys know. I have mm. seen the first one. We watched the first one already. But the thing is, is like those movies are really fucking long. They're so long. They're like three hours a piece. That's like that's like two movies in one Mm -hmm. so it's that's a time commitment that i just have to emotionally prepare myself for 
You almost just need to split them in half, like stop at a certain point and then finish it the next day. Oh, that's a good point, actually. I think maybe if we broke them up into like ha- like mini movies, then I-, I would be more like inclined to to watch. But yeah, that's well, it. It'll be fun. It's a good winter activity to do. Yeah. Well, we didn't end up talking about anything we said we were going to in this episode. We kind of just had a, a genuine chat, which is my favorite when we do that. Um, yeah. So I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, um, give it a like if you're able to. I don't know if you can actually do that on podcasts, but um, no, save but you it. Can, you can subs- is it subscribing on um, follow? On follow us, subscribe, support us, do whatever you want to yeah. do. But like, and share it on your Instagram joy. stories. <laughs> yeah, tell us that you've listened. Just shoot we us had a, a DM. Few people even. do that, and it was it was such a lovely thing to like yeah, open Instagram and find. Um, it always brings me so much joy. Both of us now have um, hobby Instagrams, so I'm going to link those oh, yeah. in our description thing on in the show notes, so that you can go and follow us there. If you want to see more about my knitting and yarn dyeing adventures, it's at Paisley Knits. And if you want to follow Charlotte's sewing adventures that we talk about all the time, it's at Charlotte Sew Things. Yeah, I will link them yeah. in the show notes so that you can go and find them. Um, but yeah, the next couple of episodes, we are going to be doing them right up until New Year's Eve. Um, but we're going to pre-record them a little bit. We're going to do some like 2020 roundup kind of episodes, which we will mm-hmm. record sometime soon. Um I don't think we're yeah. planning on taking any major time off over New Year because we ha- we have enough time to do stuff. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not planning on doing nothing. So, I'm free. <laughs> you will you will hear from us over the next little bit. Don't you worry. But mm-hmm. we will see you next week. And we'll yeah talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye.